Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort and energy on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation podcast by Processio came to help them find the way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate and make better decisions. Because of that, these businesses grow, scale and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your business processes and life. My guest today is Georges Duverger. Georges is the head of product at DraftBit, which was, you know, supported by Y Combinator W18. He is an ex-engineer at eBay and Hunch, which was acquired. George is a butter enthusiast at Telegram Cookies, a twin dad, and a French national. George, how are you today? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited. Me too. I'm honored. I'm privileged. I'm lucky. And I know you have spent a lot of time thinking about the future of work, the future of software development. So what do you currently think about the whole topic? Yeah, uh, the, the future of software development is definitely on my mind a lot. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a broad topic, but I, to try to just share some of my thoughts on the topic. Uh, there are a lot of interesting things going on right now in software development, in computer science in general. So, you know, between blockchain and uh, which most people would be exposed to through like NFT and crypto uh, or the work around metaverse, uh, machine learning is still like we're still discovering very interesting use cases. And no code is one of those uh uh, interesting topic in computer science. And <clears throat> while I'm not particularly qualified to talk about the first three, like blockchain, metaverse, and, and machine learning, I definitely have uh, more experience in the no-code space, having worked at uh, DraftBit for a few years. And um, I guess the way I'm thinking of no-code right now, I really think that no-code has two competitors. Um, so the alternative to no-code right now would be on one end, apathy, and on the other end, code itself. And so what I mean by that, apathy is a little bit of a strong word, and I don't mean that in an overly judgmental way, but there's, if, if you can picture like a spectrum on, on the left-hand side, you got apathy, which is, you know, 8 billion people on Earth, and like most of them, through not having the, 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 the chance or the opportunity or the privilege to learn how to code and just or learn some concept about computer science. They have, I'm sure they're very creative, no doubt about it. And they, 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 they could provide a lot of interesting experiences, but they don't have the, the mean or the energy or the time and the resources to create those digital experiences. So that's what I put in the bucket of apathy. Um, and again, not in a judgmental way for those folks. Uh, and on the other side of the spectrum, you've got code itself. So, you know, there is 25, 30 million developers who did have their chance to learn a code. And now they're very powerful in the society. They can create very interesting experiences. And so 
I put no code in the middle of that spectrum, right in the center. And the interesting thing is that it's spreading in both direction, uh, the, the entire no code space. So you've got tools and services that are aiming to lower the bar. So it's way more user friendly and people can just get started and express all that creativity and hopefully to get that 8 billion people to the ability to create digital experiences. So tools like, um, you know, to give a few names for people to relate a little bit more, like Glide is doing a great job at that, Card uh, is doing a great job at that. Like the simple experiences, very user friendly to bring those concepts, uh, to make those concepts accessible. The trade-off though, because there's often a trade-off, is that uh, it's a little limited, right? The experience you can create in those environments are a little limited. Um, and, and, it's, and you know, it's, it's definitely a mission-driven company, so it's completely fine to do that trade-off in that context. On the other end, going back to the second competitor, which is code itself. So I think DraftBit and a few other companies uh, um, are more and more competing against code itself. So like now, in the case of Drabic, it's starting to make sense to use Drabic as opposed to build, uh, to do in code, even though, even for the people who do know the code. And there are other examples, we're not the only one. Like, look, you will not necessarily think of building your own database now. You might use Airtable. Even if you do know how to use, uh, how to create a database, you might, uh, you know, you might not want to create a marketing website, even though you do know HTML and CSS, you might use Webflow instead. And um, for a backend, you might use like Xano or Firebase, like all those tools now, like they, they lower the need to do it yourself, even though you know how. And as a side note, it's been interesting for me because I've, I've been a software engineer and I'm in product and I've, I'm not really preaching that transformation, but I've really lived it. Uh, so I used to code everything and and slowly but surely over the last couple of years now, I'm defaulting to those uh, no-code tools. So that's kind of how I think of the spectrum. And in terms of, because the, the, it's a long answer, but the, the prompt was like the future of software. So like, what does it look like in the future? I don't have a good sense of what the competitive landscape will be. Like if it's a winner-takes-all market, like if you have one of those big folks I mentioned, or maybe someone I did not even mention who take that entire spectrum it seems hard because you're really going for two different strategies but maybe there'll be a couple of different players one for each of those strategy um, the thing that's a little bit more clear in my head regardless of who win those markets is that we won't be writing code uh, over the next few years uh, maybe in five years like 20 or 30 percent of the code is is not being written by hand it's just using one of those visual developments so the same way we're not writing binary code, you will not write uh, code anymore. I see that as a natural uh, evolution. Um, and so that leaves me with questions. So like, how do we get there? Uh, it, I don't think it's automatic that we're going to like, get to that point. I think it's uh, a lot of work to be put into it. So drive it, we worked at it every day to like, how do we make that future reality? And the other question that leaves me with is, what does that change once you got even in the next couple of years, got 20, 30% of code being written through visual development tools and services. Like, what does that change for the ecosystem? Um, so those are the kind of thing uh, that I'm thinking of on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you.
I love this. I have questions about both sides of the spectrum. So I'll begin with the apathy side. And maybe on a side note that can be interesting to the viewers is that there is something called the status quo bias, which is often when you lose a sale or people don't take action, it's not because they went to a competitor. It's because change is so scary for human beings that they will do nothing rather than make a decision or change because the devil you know is you know safer than the devil you don't know and therefore speaking about that i spoke one time to one of the founders of a no-code tool that is in the other direction that's supposed to help uh, developers save time by working in a visual development environment so that they don't waste time on things that are too simple and that don't require thinking but he said look you cannot take any person like a gardener from the street and make him uh, a visual no-code developer it's not like that he needs to understand software architecture he needs to have the basics of software engineering and therefore this dream of citizen developer was to him just an illusion <laughs> i know i'm playing the devil's advocate what's your perspective on this yeah um no that's 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 a that's a very good point i think the holy grail is to be able to be both simple and powerful so like both to to like address both end of that spectrum i was talking about and i i think we might get there uh but more importantly it's it's hard to get there right away. It's hard for that to be your your destination on on day one. So we kind of have to like figuring out figure out uh, intermediary milestones for like a, not only from a business point of view because you know you still need to like run a business in, in while you're building or that holy grail, but also from like you know you, you want to grow with the market. You want to grow with the 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 creators, the no coders, and people who do not code, people who don't know code. Things are changing. Like there is also schools now teach you different things like the, the whole ecosystem is uh is evolving so you want to evolve with it so in that sense right now the first milestones um in, in and that's a more for personal opinion but i think no code now is or the better word to phrase it no code is for coders for now that's and the for now is the key part in that thing it's really if you know how to code if you're a software engineer developer whatever it is I strongly believe like right now is your shot. Like right now you should embrace. A lot of people are scared. A lot of people who do not code are scared of those no code tools. I would argue the exact opposite. Right now you can significantly accelerate your development time, your, you know, like how you validate ideas and assumption because you already have all those concepts and all those concepts of like, what's a client, what's a server, what's an API, what's an endpoint. Like, you know, those things. So you have a significant advantage uh, over everybody else. So embrace it. Like those power user think they should do, should get the, the most out of it. And so as a consequence, we on the like vendor side, like the people who build the tools, um, you know, we want to work with those folks to improve the platform and then slowly make our way to people who don't uh, know the code. And longer term, we do definitely want to get there. Now, the, 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 the question you ask, like, can anybody do it, even though they, even in the future, if they don't have those concepts, it, I'm not as black and white as uh, the person you, you're referring to, because like, 
maybe there are better abstractions. You know, maybe as we go down the, as we lower the bar, maybe we'll find like more intuitive abstraction for user and they don't have to understand maybe a server and a client and an API and an endpoint. And maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know that, you know, maybe like I'm trying to think of like uh, Zapier, for example, who create those like Zap. So maybe the, the new thing that people learn is just this concept of a Zap, which just connect two things. And we're not obviously at, uh, like under the hood, you, you're still dealing with API and endpoints, but maybe there is, a, there is a better way to communicate that to an entire category of population who haven't learned those more like traditional computer science concepts. So I don't know, maybe I think, you know, I'm optimistic. I think we will find a way to make all those tools uh, available to everybody, whether or not they have a computer science, computer science engineering, uh, sorry, computer science knowledge, uh, but it will take something else. I guess the part where I agreeing with that person is you can't, you need something, uh, whether it's those concepts or other concepts, you, you can't just expect to just click two buttons and have your dream application or your dream service uh, come to life, unless we make a lot of progress with <laughs> machine learning and, and auto-generated code and stuff like that, which who knows, it's not impossible. Thank you. I have four questions, actually, I'll ask one, because this is really a fascinating topic. And it's, well, a lot of the developers that come to no code or visual development, they care about the outcome, they are choosing to use a visual development software environment and all that. But for a lot of businesses, if they want to introduce visual development, a lot of coders, and I'm using coders specifically to compare to developers, have this disgust or disdain from abstractions like no code, where they think, I spent so many years learning how to code, and what I respect is things that are closer to machine language, and all those abstractions are for kids, and it's beneath me, and blah, blah, blah. How do you either overcome this or find the right people who, who don't have such thoughts as coders? Or do you even notice such thing within communities, coders, or for you as a someone who knows how to code? Did you think actually it's powerful to know how to code and using those abstractions, although it's easier, there is some inner resistance to it because of ego? Yeah, we definitely see some of that. It's hard to quantify though, uh, you know, that's a topic, that's a very good question because that's a topic that comes often, like, can you really sell NOCO tool to uh, software engineers? And there is a feeling that the, that category of folks, uh, which I belong to, to be uh, uh, honest, like, will react against it. But I don't know if we've seen that, uh, you know, anecdotally, we, we definitely hear some stuff like that, but I don't know if it's a, the majority of people. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I think it's still to be proven. If it is though, um, look, I think there is, the ego is really hard to like fight against, right? So like the, the two ways, either the person is willing, like is open-minded a little bit and gonna give it a try. And like I was mentioning earlier, like I went through that journey myself uh, and I used to, I do a lot of side project and I used to, you know, you know in, a, in a few minutes, put out a, a web server and a little page and a little backend and a little like Python application and all that. 
And uh, slowly but surely over like experimenting with those tools, I now I can picture doing that again. Like if I if I want to back in, I'll fire up Xano and they do. I think you also get to the point where like those tools now do a significantly, a definitely at least as ask as good as what you will do yourself. And in many cases, even better than what you will do yourself. So like I moved from engineering to product a while ago, so I'm not maybe in the, on, on completely up to speed on my engineering. So for me, those tools are amazing. They do a significantly better job than I would. And so once you experience that yourself, that might be, that might be kind of a, a way to slowly change your mind. And I, but I would say one more thing though, like, look, if you don't, uh too bad <laughs> like um I don't mean to be like uh, uh overly like uh, uh sounds like aggressive to those folks but you know like you if you're a software engineer right now in you know in North America specifically that's what I know I can't speak too much of the rest of the world but you already have a lot of privilege in, in what you can do professionally so if you're not if you don't take the the perspective to understand what's going on and and decide for yourself to either embrace it or, and if you decide to reject it that it's totally fine it's your right but then you know there are consequences that are going to come with that and the reason i feel a bit more comfortable throwing my hands in the air a little bit with that is is because it's such already a privilege you know i would not say that of any worker in the world i think you know people some professionalists we need to help them transition to this new digital world and we need support system and you need like education and all those things. I feel a little less, I have a little bit less of empathy for uh, software developer. I think, you know, it's how it, you, you really have to think of what, what is your, what is your profession? Like, what is your job? Is it really to write lines of code or is it to provide technological solution to a problem? If, and if you see yourself as, you know, an engineer is technically, at least in my mind, is in the at the frontier between like science and society, right? And and you you create that bridge, that little almost little bridge in the case of a civil engineer between science and society. And so if you think of yourself as that, then whether it's code, no code, uh, machine learning, like complete like verbal programming, whatever it is that we're gonna invent, uh, I think it becomes less scary um, in this context. Thank you. And it's funny that you said you don't have all that empathy for software developers since the goal is the outcomes. I spoke with the founder of NoCode Germany and he was really, really having this thought that, look, according to him, software developers are only productive two hours a day and the rest of the time is wasted and they're abusing their power and therefore the future of business should be no code and low code so that things can actually become much more resource efficient, much more productive and that this thinking about code is only like a monopoly that they're trying to perpetuate and therefore is trying to do some research or find a way to prove how unproductive uh, most software developers are so that uh, no code can be the replacement. Do you agree with this? Do you see this as truth? What's your perspective? It's definitely a more intense point of view than I have. Uh, I would I would probably not go that far, but I you know I th there's some truth to that. Uh, 
I, I do have empathy for the discipline of software engineering. So, uh, you know, I, having been on both sides, like product in engineering, I, I've been able to see really the, the, the difference of those two jobs. And they're very different. Like, I think software engineering is intellectually significantly harder. Like you, like, you know, you, you're solving complex problems um, even problems that are not that complex, but you're still solving problems with your intellect and you have to like structure things and you need to stay up to date and understand technology and, and read documentation and test things and, and all that. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's a very creative process. So you do need to like get in, you know, get in the zone, as we say, like get in like a flow of, of productivity. And so that, you know, that takes the time to, to, to build up to that moment when you really can provide a lot of value. So maybe that kind of explains a little bit of the perceived inefficiency of software engineering because I don't think software engineering, you can just, you know, clock in for like 30 minutes and do like one perfect task. I think it takes a little bit of mental space. Um, so I, I respect that. I think it's significantly harder, again, intellectually than the work we do on the product side. I do, just to balance things out, I do think that working in product is psychologically significantly harder. <laughs> like it's a, it's really more uh, intense. It's a roller coaster of like, essentially instead of programming computer, you're trying to collaborate with humans, which is significantly harder, like a, a very more like a trickier, because, you know, there's no, there's no, there's not always predictability. There's no reproducibility. It's not always, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You can't always reproduce the same results with the same input. Like so, it's 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 a very different challenge. And so, at the end of the day, working product, I'm way more exhausted, um, like mentally, than I was in doing engineering. But on the on the other hand, like intellectually, I don't think product management is necessarily that as challenging as it is uh, on the engineering side. Anyway, so there's a little bit of a comparison of product and engineering. But all that to say, I I still do value kind of the, the 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 work that software that engineering is doing and so i would not necessarily uh uh classifies at as what the the person you're referring to was saying is like it's a it's a waste of time it's like the only productive two hours a day i think that's a little i think it's a little unfair and extreme thank you and let's go back to the other side of the spectrum that you spoke about which is no code for normal people for people without a uh, software engineering background and all that i spoke to the founder of one of the biggest creators of courses for the no code community and he was observing that nowadays a lot less people are learning courses about no code itself and are moving to no code ops which is more about automation processes and things like that and he was wondering is no code a fad is it something that's happening now like nfts or bitcoin or whatever and it will go away or is it something that will be there in the future in the same form for citizen developers and normal people or not what's your perspective on this it's it's hard to predict uh, if it's a fad. It you know you can decide to look at it like it looks very similar to other fads we've seen in the past. Uh, but you can also look at it as a more like fundamental uh, shift to how we do software development. I do though agree that it looks like it's 
it's about to follow that what is it the Gartner like hype cycle where like there right now there's a lot of hype there's a lot of excitement uh, there's a lot of investment there is probably a no code whether it's a mobile app builder or a web app builder like starting every uh, on average maybe every month uh, so there's a lot of people trying to get into the space and all those like smaller tools around that ecosystem which is great creates a lot of energy and everybody talks about it and all um it's it's possible that over the next couple of years we go through that like um i forgot the exact term but like you know the 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 people losing a lot of trust or a lot of motivation or excitement about that trend and but it's a natural thing in this context and you know once we do i think it's it's because we bring back all that excitement to actual use cases. And so maybe, you know, we've identified a few concrete use cases right now that are here to stay. Um, I think internal tools is one use case that, you know, is very powerful. So like that's notion of like inside a medium size or even a big company I can use uh, software like Retool, for example, to create a little dashboard to like just connect all my data sources in my company and I can do a little HR dashboard or logistic dashboard and I don't need to include the engine team in that. I can do it as a as a PM who's, who is a little tech savvy maybe. So this is very powerful and those tools are, are right now like doing, um, they're doing a really good job and they seem to be really good in the market as well. So I think that's here to stay. The, the fact is, in terms of pure web app development and mobile app development, like for external purposes, it's still not super easy. So I think I'm a little bit worried myself that people are going to get a little tired of like, ah, I really thought it was easier. I thought we were further in the process. And the reality is whether you use DriveBeat or one of the competitors, pretty much everybody in the, in the space, it still takes a little bit of effort. And so... And we'll get there, we'll make it simpler, but that's gonna take a little bit of time. So we need we need folks who are willing to put that time in. So we're gonna we might lose a good amount of excitement for the people who are just slightly interested in that space. And but it's okay, they might go away and then we'll just hopefully company like ours uh, and others will just then kind of keep building on those core use cases. And you know, f- when we get out of that cycle in five years. I think we'll we'll maybe talk less about no code as a thing and more like we will just use it. Think of like machine learning. Machine learning, like machine learning, it's it's still extremely popular and we do amazing thing with it. It's a little bit less of a of a like topic by itself. We think of applications now. You know, you got Dali and all those new things that um, come up, and so the applications are now exciting, and, and so it started to be more like ingrained or like me part of our processes more than just um, just a new uh, just a, a new way of doing things. I think people get it from machine learning, and they're gonna get it from no code in, in a few years. Thank you. And since you mentioned how there is this future for no code and milestones along the way, for someone who is curious. Can you explain in your own vision what's the ultimate, uh, you know, best scenario or best vision for a visual development app? What could it theoretically do in best case? And what's the next milestone you believe should 
be focused on within the community right now to get the tools much more easy to use, usable, whatever it is that takes you towards that ultimate goal? So long-term is, again, like Holy Grail, you have one tool that is simple and powerful. So picture like you have this uh, company online and you go and you, you click a few things and you can very quickly create like a mobile app. I'm going to talk about mobile app because that's what I know the most with DraftBit. Um, and it's very easy, intuitive. You don't need to know a ton about computer science and you can produce an app and distribute it in the app store. Um, that's kind of the, the ideal. I don't, I'm not 100% convinced that there will be one player that does that um, as opposed to maybe at the very least like two players, one who does the very easy version of that. Like you could do a couple of clicks, but then, you know, it's, it's a limited application. You got a list view, you got a detail view and, and it's kind of a tailored experience for you. And, and the other player might be very powerful. It's just like a, an, just a layer on top of, uh, I don't know, maybe React Native or whatever um, uh, code you're using. So maybe it's two different things, but um, hopefully in both those scenarios, the goal is that people will have the tool they need to do what they want. So if people don't know to, like want something user-friendly and limited, they can do that. Someone who wants something more powerful, they can do that. So. That's kind of the, the, the five-year kind of hope. In terms of milestone now, um, I think for DraftBit, I think we need uh, to get to a feature parity with everything you could do in code. So that means, again, in the context of mobile app, you know, you need to do push notification, you need to do uh, deep linking, you need to do um, like all those kind of like core functionality of a mobile app. And the same exists for web app. Like you'll, you'll have to do all the things that people expect from web app. So, and, and we're very close. Like we do have deep linking, we do have push notification in DriveBits. So there's still the things we're working on. But um, once we add parity, I think that's, that gives you a sense of, you know, that that's, that's a required step towards keep making it better. You need to at least be able to do the same thing that people were doing in code. And that's for us, because as I mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're spreading towards like competing against code itself. For people who are trying to make everything easier, um, I think for them, the milestone is, what's the next use case, the, the most common use case they want to support? So right now, most of because you, you, they can do it all. That's part of the, compromise they've made. So they have to like limit what they do to specific use case. And the one that most people went with right now is kind of a list view and you click on an item and you see a detail view. And that's one kind of use case that it's pretty cool because it addresses a lot of, you know, your HR application where you see a list of all the employees and like internal app uh, for a company. Uh, it, it works for like a grocery store to do list. So it, it does, it covers a lot of use case, but Maybe we'll, maybe those folks need to figure out what's the next important use case to address. Um, and maybe it is about like geolocation. Maybe they need to turn geolocation into something a little constrained, but super easy for people to implement into the app. Um, so yeah, I think that's the fundamental difference. Like they, they have to think in terms of use cases and we have to think in terms of like building blocks. So it's, it's, 
slightly different approach, but um, you know, hopefully we, we all get there. <laughs> Thank you. This is wonderful. So can you speak now for those curious about DraftBit? What is it? What makes it unique? Where people can learn more? What's the website? And I'll make sure to write your Twitter and the website of DraftBit in the description. Yeah, absolutely. So DraftBit, the, the DNA of the company is what makes us unique. We, we started by a very strong engineering team and not only strong, in, in terms of skills, but in terms of also like uh, like philosophy, we really embrace like an open way of building software. We really so like the the, the main thing you, you get when you use DraftBit is that we show you the code, which is not something a lot of people do. Like as you make changes visually, as you visually like change blocks and and widgets and, and components and stuff like that you can see the code, the React Native code, which we based on evolve, you can, you can see it change and you can copy paste it. You can take it somewhere else. We let you push to GitHub. So we let you export the entire app. So it's just one click. It's a button, you export the entire app. In a couple of minutes, you'll get your entire React Native application outside of DraftBit, no dependency, no like fine prints, nothing. So you can, you know, if you wanted to, you could, stop your drive subscription and you have your React Native product and you can take it from there uh, and start to work with a developer if you want or whatever you want to do. And we, it sounds a little risky for us as a business, but that's actually a very good illustration of what we embrace. We, we want to make it so even if you could have access to that code, you will still come to DraftBit because we're making it easier. So we really, you know, we uh, putting your money where our mouth is. Like we, we want to be part of that transformation of, of how you think of building software um, so that's the main thing, uh, that's the main kind of differentiator for DraftBit. We really like a pro code thing. Again, it doesn't mean you have to, but it means you have access to, you're not locked in. And a similar uh, type of feature is that we also let you inject code. So for everything we don't do, because, you know, like I said, it's going to be a journey. There's a lot to build and we don't want our power users uh, to stop using us because they're like, oh, I can't create a component. Or I can do this or that. So we do let you inject code, your own custom component that you can use in a visual way in the builder. Um, so again, with this attitude of like, we're competing against code itself, that's why we do that. We don't want you to leave because we don't have the functionality. So we do kind of want to integrate ourselves in your uh, in your workflow. So those are the, uh, that, that's one of the main differentiators of DriveBay. The other one, which I'm very proud of, is we put a lot of time, effort, energy into our community. So we have a very active community site, which is community.drivebeat.com. And the community asks questions. I'm, every day I'm on there. We have a fantastic team of success engineers also contributing and answering questions. We do two office hours every week. So on Tuesday and Thursday. I'm doing the Thursday one myself, and it's just me on a, the equivalent of a Zoom call um, taking questions and not just taking questions theoretically, but like, you know, doing it, like demoing how you will integrate your drive application with a specific backend. So we really, we really have this culture internally to like help the user get to the finish line. So we want to put your application in the store. And so we provide a lot of support. We even have um, an expert program. You know, if you want a little bit extra help, we can do that. Or if you want us to like, 
do a lot more help uh, and like build the thing for you based on draft bait. Like we can also do that for you. So those those two that's kind of pro code attitude and and community driven um, are very are really like the differentiator of draft bait. Thank you. That's wonderful. I recommend to all the viewers to check out DraftBid and that sense of community sounds wonderful. And for those interested in automation, of course, I recommend Processio. Processio is a low-code, no-code platform, meaning people can create their own custom actions using code for advanced automation and creating an enterprise-grade backend for your software. Uh, you can request access to a totally free account at Processio.app. And for those with higher needs, there is a very generous code where you can get 50% off if you use better 50 off one word, all in capital letters, more in the description. George, this was my honor, my pleasure, a very enriching conversation, and I wish you to keep going and have a good day. Thank you very much. I got to say, I, I listened to your podcast and you've had fantastic and very inspiring guests. So it, it's really an honor to like have been among that group of folks. So thank you very much for the invite. And that was a great discussion. I appreciate it.